That was more or less for the sake of exercising, not in months, not since the beginning of the pandemic when I would go on hikes with a friend of mine after coming back to Montana. But, oh baby, I bought Ring Fit Adventure the other day for the for the Switch, and so I'm going to get so tight. Ring Fit Adventure, let me look this up. It is a combined RPG slash exercise game where I guess you get some sort of exercise tension ring that you do various exercises with okay 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 i can't i can't you know what just before i ruthlessly mock you let me just say since we're talking about my nerdy ass friend who's only the only form of exercise he can conceive of doing at this point of his life is a video game designed to trick him into it Mm -hmm. this must be the big bang theory theory oh my god my world is upside down you introduced the show before i did hi i'm nick take that motherfucker and i'm kyle and, okay, please hit me with your ruthless mockery that you've got loaded in the chamber. I am just, it's, it's like, it's like you can't do push-ups, but if a video game gives you points for doing push-ups, then, oh boy, now we're talking. It's, it, maybe they can, like, put a little anime girl on the screen who goes, nya, nya, every time you, like, do ten jumping jacks. Would that make it work better for you, you sick fuck boy? If if they put an anime girl's titty six inches out of reach, I would grow the <laughs> muscles in my feet necessary to to bulk my my entire body that extra six inches up to grab at them. All right, that's. I mean, you you make fun and you're not wrong, but I'm proud of who I am. That's God. I've never. I sorry. I can't even hold that lie for half a second. <laughs> retreat retreat i I just am who i am is what it is and actually you know what since since that immediately got gross and horny i'm i'm gonna do another super duper quick episode summary uh today we watched um season four episode 13 duh duh the dreaded mid-season episode where the the gang are all going to a uh a symposium to discuss social interactions in science, which never really gets developed. They get Penny to come along with the promise of it being an all-expenses-paid weekend spa trip, which never plays out in the episode in any way. But what the episode really becomes about is Wallowitz runs... Bernadette and Wallowitz go together, and... When they first get to the hotel where they're they're holding the event, Bernadette runs into a gigantic, beautiful, muscular, handsome former professor slash ex-boyfriend of hers. And the rest of the episode is mostly Wallowitz wondering about how Bernadette could possibly find him attractive or satisfying in any way knowing that he could not have nearly as big of a dong as the X. There are some other things that happen in this episode, but that's what the episode's about. Leonard and Penny almost hook up, but they get interrupted by uh, Raj coming in because he gets kicked out of another bedroom, and you're like, oh, man, is there going to be more like long-term drama about their relationship? No, dispelled. Matter of fact, end of the episode is her going home, 
leaving the other nerds behind with the super handsome ex-professor because she's so sick of all the nerds petty and fighting bullshit about dong size. And was this a good episode? No, not really. But it was miles and miles ahead of the last two or three episodes we've watched. And so I was very thankful for that. But more than anything, I was I was grateful that it was really just about Wallowitz penis insecurity. And I wish that they'd focused more on that somehow, because that is a funny thing. And I have some immediate thoughts that I want to uh, share about this. But before I, I ramble any longer, Kyle, is there anything about the episode that you think is noteworthy to lay out structure-wise or plot-wise before we do our normal uh, poking and prodding? I do have a... No, no, I don't. I have some nitpicky things that about the structure of this episode, but well, they're go, they're go not that important. Please. Do well, it. so so the in, the entire middle of this episode relies on a gimmick where people keep leaving, like getting kicked out of their own room and then having to go to a different room, and yes. it 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 ends in an arbitrary and unsatisfactory manner. Like they don't even fo- like they don't even follow all the way through on the gag. It just ends with. In a long series of uh, circumstances, Raj ends up going to uh, Leonard's room and disrupting his chance to have sex with Penny, which didn't make any... It was a dumb thing for me to even notice, but it was just like, wait, why wouldn't he go to Wallowitz's room? Why would he go to Leonard's room before he goes to Wallowitz's room? That is a good question, and this isn't the thing that I was eager to get into, but it is a thought I had um, because it it brought up a lot of frustrations and, and old feelings is that yeah so what, what Kyle's just referring to is they, they start with three bedrooms and they keep having to shuffle roommates around because of various reasons that they're all getting on each other's nerves and the end result is Raj interrupting Leonard and Penny about to have sex and about to violate the neutral zone not, oh yeah yeah oh man I almost just asked you to explain the neutral zone for any listeners who don't understand it and I'm glad I didn't do that because I'm not ready for what was about to happen there. It's a demilitarized zone between the Federation and the Romulans. It's it doesn't take that long to explain. Oh god, it's like that the was blissfully succinct. No, you've done enough. You've done enough. We don't have to. Okay, no, do it. Say what you want. It's like the border between North and South Korea. That's only in space. Okay, great. But so that happens, and I think there needed to be another five minutes. Not tacked on to the episode they should have cut five other minutes and replaced it with five minutes of leonard pacing around the room maybe going to the bathroom to masturbate or something because of how impossible it is to fall asleep when you're (laughs) there's a hot girl (laughs) when you're horny and have a boner or anything along those lines it just doesn't happen it's and the reason it's so it it grinds my gears is that I have a couple friends uh, of the the, uh, the 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 sex I am attracted to, and you know it was it was a thing where like when you're when you're teens, you know when you're you're young, mostly innocent people, uh, you, you're 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 close, you're cuddly or whatever, especially when you're theater kids, and then all of a sudden it's like oh now we have feelings, now things are getting sexier, and we have to figure out how to deal with that. And there's a lot of uncomfortable sexual frustration, and most adults recognize that at some point that we can't sleep in the same bed there's just going to be too many horny feelings we have separate beds 
the probability of sexual frustration is too high. But I have a couple friends who don't recognize that. And I've had to be like, we can't sleep in this bed. I won't sleep. I will have a boner all night long and it will be terrible. And they won't listen. And I just, I wanted to see Leonard like lying there, just like pounding his fists into the mattress, (laughs) crying a little bit, like trying to figure out like, Starting from just like a murmur at the back of his throat and then increasing volume bit by bit by bit to see how much of a scream he can let out before anyone else's sleep becomes disturbed. Oh, oh God. It all just came flooding back. But yeah, that happens. So, um, well, and the thing I, uh, that I did want to talk about, uh, about the, my, what I thought was unrealistic or silly about the way this episode worked is, so, so the guy that plays Bernadette's ex-boyfriend, I knew I'd seen him from somewhere, but I couldn't immediately think of it. I had to look it up. His his name is Rick Fox. He's a former sports player. He is just a, a fucking beautiful man. And uh, I saw, I recognized him from the, the TV series Party Down, where he was similarly the object of desire at a convention. I guess that's like his bit part he gets in Hollywood is like, you're the guy that someone used to know that everyone wants to fuck and you're, you've shown up again. And the thing that I thought was strange is that Wallowitz was so fixated on the penis size issue where Rick Fox could is very well have no genitalia and he's going to fuck a thousand times more people than Wallowitz has a chance to like yes. that, that Wallowitz is so well, that's, cons- I mean, they do acknowledge that at the end of the episode, what uh, I feel like, uh, Amy says it actually the best because when Penny leaves with Glenn, uh, she's like, Leonard, are you at all upset by the fact that your ex-girlfriend just left the convention with the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my entire life, which was not about the size of his dog. It was not. No, Amy person who is uh, all about (laughs) um, straightforward, unsophisticated pragmatism, radical truth telling is nonetheless like, Howard, this isn't a penis issue. Like, you need to, you need to get a grip and realize that that is not the danger here. Like, no matter what you do, like, and it's it's weird. That's like, I don't know. That'd be like if if I found out that someone I was dating used to date Tom Cruise, you know, and I'd be like, oh, it's because he has a better hairline than me. I'm like, well, not wrong. Not incorrect, but not the issue either. No, like not. The problem is that there are a thousand issues and to focus on the one may be easy for storytelling, but Wallowitz, you don't have a chance. But I mean, I guess it's interesting too about how, what is it? What is it that Wallowitz has that ex-boyfriend Glenn couldn't provide? Is it his neediness? Is he funnier? Does that do it? Why? He, he probably is. Let's. It would be unfair for someone that tall and good looking to also be funny. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I mean, it happens, but it would be unfair. Oh, and also, he's smart, right? Because in the episode, I mean, he was a professor, right? He he was her professor, so you know, he's it's he's just the whole package. Yeah, he's basically he's like the sperm donor you go looking for when you're like you're trying to. To when you want like the gold standard artificial insemination yeah like it's like when you're looking for flaws you're like well i guess it's like i know i shouldn't believe in eugenics but looking at that dude makes me think you know if i have to have some set of genes mixed with mine yeah 
Like if if I were to complain about anything, it's that I have to. I sometimes see my own reflection when the light shines off his glistening skin, and I'm reminded that I am a mere disgusting mortal, and that there's only one of this man, and that I am thankful, even in my own self contempt, that I got to live during a period where I could experience his beauty. You know, that's. I guess that's a flaw you could say about him. But speaking of eugenics, I don't know. I don't have anything there. But that, I mean, that, he does make a good case. Like, I don't know if I, I am not in any sort of relationship where children, the prospect of having children someday is on the table. But if I were and I were watching this with my partner, I'd be like, can we just like have him do it? Because you and I have kids. We're off to a bad start. I want to have kids with you. But they don't have to be our kids. You know, we can raise them, but let's please get his DNA. That way my, they have a fighting chance. They're going to get all of my insecurities if they're raised in this household. But if if they have those <laughs> shoulders, they've got something to work with. Yeah, it's like, it's like I, we, you know, it's true I'm tall, but we can find someone else who's tall and also better looking and, you know, doesn't need, you know, 12 hours of therapy a week to function. Uh, excuse me, it's only going up to about two. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, I didn't latch on to a lot in this episode. Like, so I those were my two big things. What other, like, nitpicky or otherwise things do you have, if any, about this one? Well, I so this may just be I've never been to an academic conference in my life. Why would I? Why, um, but it... It's it's a funny setup, and I'm probably overthinking it like I tend to, but it didn't make any sense to me why all these people were together on this panel. Yeah. I, I let it go because I was like, this is just so they can get all of our nerds to bicker at a table together. But you're right. It, it makes no, – because we, we skipped over it so much earlier. I skipped over it so much earlier. Is that So they're not just going to this social interactions and sciences – seminar or convention or whatever it is they're they're presenting and they're all presenting at the same panel so it's you know there there are six people on this show and five of them minus penny are at the table and not one of them should be <laughs> like what does any of them have if anything like penny should have been incorporated as part of some experiment they were doing and trying to bring science to the masses and well that is apparently like the panel is as far as i could tell it's about like I don't know. It's some kind of interdisciplinary social whatever, but it still doesn't make sense why you would ask that group of people. Like they literally have nothing in common. No, not at all. It's it's uh, it's absurd, and they don't even get into what they would be the topic they'd be talking about because Sheldon introduces it, well, starts to introduce everyone, and then Bernadette is oh, because another thing that happens is that Wallowitz makes a, a major faux pas when. Later on, after meeting Glenn, the ex-boyfriend, they Bernadette and Wallowitz make it back to their hotel room. They're they're going to start humping, but Wallowitz can't stop thinking about Glenn's big old swinging thingin. <laughs> and so Bernadette is like, "Hey, is something wrong?" And he says something along the lines of, "I thought, you know, dating a girl like you, I wouldn't have to worry about competing with guys yeah, what like a, him. That was a dick thing to say. Uh, I think we can all agree. Just the just the worst. And so she gets justifiably upset and is like, oh, so you don't think I'm hot enough to get guys like Glenn? 
And another thing that I thought about this, and hey, this is a clean family show. We don't like to get too blue. But sometimes I think about how it's kind of a bummer that humans don't have the same size variance as other creatures do, like dogs, for instance. Like, you know, you, you don't have in humans a full-grown husky and a full-grown ch- chihuahua. That the, the difference between them that that you'd have in humans we have a much smaller ratio of smallest human to biggest human yes that's but, because dogs were subjected to thousands of years of horrendous forced breeding yeah something that's never happened to humans um but looking at bernadette and glenn across from each other i'm like that's as big as the difference gets and if those two have had sex that seems like a unfortunate painful violent affair <laughs> That's, I'll just leave it at that, but they, they don't look (laughs) compatible. (laughs) That was not a fun, that was not a fun noise you just made, but I get what you're saying. Also, did Uh, you just do something on your, you got much more quiet all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I got lazy and I rolled over. I'll put, I'll put the mic back on my chest. No, I, I started, they, Whatever. I'm not talking about this, but I understand what you're saying. I think that's part of, you know, Wallowitz feels like his woman has been ruined for him, which is part of why he's so crazy. Uh, I didn't think about that. Gross, Kyle. Gross. I think we've crossed a line now. Yucky gross. You, you totally, you were totally thinking about it. I, I honestly 100% was not. All right. Gross. But yeah. But I don't know. I mean... This 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 episode was easy breezy. I think this was like standard, middle of the road, maybe maybe slightly above average Big Bang episode in that. Well, you're I ah, anyway. Um, I will say at the end, the way it all comes together in the panel was was pretty funny. I would have actually gone for more of them at the just f- totally fucking up their incredibly professional panel yeah. in front of all of their peers. Yeah, I mean, I didn't find myself particularly frustrated watching this episode, but it is nonetheless a little bit frustrating because it has, like, the pieces of something better. Like, the the last couple episodes have just been outright abortions, and this one, it's kind of like, okay, you know, you're getting back on track. You had some good ideas. Could have used a couple more revisions, could have tightened things up, but not bad, not bad, okay? Thanks. Thanks for that, BBT. I also want to say that almost in doing research for the show, I did join an honest, devoted, Big Bang Theory-loving Facebook group. Oh, no. And I've left it because it flooded my feed with nothing but... It was it was almost nothing but just, like, random pictures of the the gang in various contexts. But... I think what crossed the line for me was the the very obviously photoshopped close up of Kaylee Cuoco's feet, <laughs> where I was like, "Hmm, hmm, torrid. I don't need this. This is a strange, strange group of people that uh, are are liking the same thing for different reasons, I believe." But um, yeah, okay. You know what? Screw. It. Let's get to our nerd thing of the week. Let's talk about okay. something we actually enjoy. I don't know. Uh, I have a few things rattling around in my brain. I was having a hard time picking which to to focus on. Do you do you have anything that you want to recommend, Kyle? Uh, sure. 
the hard part is I know what I want to recommend, but I don't know why. Like I was just, you ever, you're walking around during your day and you just think of something old and nerdy and you're like, oh, that was cool. I should check that out again. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, I, that's what most of my brain rattlings are, in fact. <laughs> okay, so this week, for no discernible reason that I could think of, um, I'm going to recommend a comic book series that came out in 1995 called Earth X. Okay. Which I think maybe, I think it's like its 25th anniversary, which is why I think I've seen some ads for like the graphic novel reprint of it. It's probably available online now. Anyway, Earth X is the is a comic book set in a dystopic version of a dystopic future of the Marvel universe as imagined by Alex Ross and Jim Kruger in 1995. But it is also so much like crazier than I make that sound like it was sort of inspired. It came up on the heels. They had just finished doing Kingdom Come or Alex Ross had, which I've talked about before and I'm not going to get into now, but Kingdom Come was like the dystopic DC future. And so they wanted to do something similar for Marvel. So what they came up with was a future where basically something has happened and now everyone has superpowers. So being a superhero is a meaningless conflict uh, concept, but the world has sort of devolved into anarchy because, you know, now everyone has superpowers. It's hard to keep the world in check. Um, and all of the old superheroes are in this new paradigm, basically just normal people. And so it starts off with like, that's the premise. Here are the characters. They've gotten older. Here's what the world is like. But it just gets so much weirder than you could even imagine. Like it does, like it starts. Why do I why do I suck so much recommending things? Why can't I ever my brain just won't let me talk about this like in a straight line that's succinct. I thought and you were making, doing absolutely fine there. Until, until I this, until this. Just, yeah. Okay, well thank you. I needed the reassurance. Anyway, so the whole comic book is really a love letter to the entire Marvel universe and what makes it kind of hard to read in a lot of ways is just like how like obscure like they work really hard to fit all the continuity in but it's just like every single thing that happens relies on like a deep backbench of knowledge of like the early run of like the marvel universe so like comic books that were written in like the mid 60s early 70s like basically the whole comic is constructed out of the world building that stan lee and jack kirby did back when they first were like take when the marvel universe was first taking off and so while they do a like they work really hard to frame it so that you're never lost i think they do a pretty good job it's just sort of a weird experience because you don't really think of you know when you think about the marvel cinematic universe or the marvel characters you don't really think about them as like being a story that could have like that as written by a single like creator or creative team and having like a single conclusion but this really tells that kind of story it's like this is the this is how the marvel universe ends based on the trends that are present in the beginning and it really does it really well so anyway the comic starts with an incredibly obscure character called machine man getting transported to the moon by the watcher so that they can observe like the final days of you know planet earth in this dystopic future and sort of it plays out from there so the watcher is constantly the one who's providing backstory to x51 sorry machine man his name his 
his his uh designation is X fifty one because he's a robot. And it's like here's how you here's what you need to know in order to understand everything that you're seeing as it plays out. So it gives you the context, but it's just it's very psychedelic in that sense. And I think the reason it is is because like basically what it points out is that a lot of the stuff that we take for granted about the Marvel universe is actually kind of incredibly psychedelic. Like the whole machine man's relationship to, to like the sequence in what, which he's taken to the moon is, is taken from 2001, a space odyssey. And you're like, well, that's a weird reference. Why would there be a 2001, a space odyssey reference in this comic until, and this is not something that you need to know to enjoy the comic. This is just something that, I found out like a decade later that finally made that decision make sense. Marvel actually created a like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee wrote a 2001 adaption for Marvel Comics when the movie was coming out. Oh. And so there is and the character of X51 was created as like part of like the sequel to that. So there are all these ideas from 2001 a Space Odyssey that eventually migrated their way into the mainstream Marvel comic book like canon. And that's sort of important to understand as the comic gets forward, which is just one of the many reasons it's so fucking weird, but also delightful. All right. And so um, Earth X, is this something that I assume must have been released as a collection at some point? Or like, is this, how, is this still accessible somehow? I think so. The, I think the reason it was on my mind is because... Yeah, I think they're coming out with the 25th anniversary. Let me just see. Let me just Google. Boop, 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 boop. Ah, yes. Looks like it's it's currently out in all sorts of uh, in paperback. It's actually part of a it's actually part of a trilogy. So there are three parts to it. There's Earth X, and then there's Universe X, and then there's Paradise X. And I've read all th- I read all three when they came out. Earth X and Universe X are really good. Paradise X kind of. Uh, what do you flubs the flubs the the landing but it's okay because each section of it is kind of a self-contained story so i would recommend earth x and universe x to everybody and then anybody who goes on that journey that far will probably want to see how it ends which is fine just be warned that the final chapter is not as good as the first two all right cool 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 but it really fine last thing and i'll let it go the we it really is remarkable for how it ties like basically it's like the Fantastic Four and the X-Men and Thor and the Hulk and Spider-Man, these are not separate stories. The, the secret that I will not spoil is that they really are all one story and have been since the beginning. And sort of understanding how that plays out is sort of the joy of reading the book. All right. Cool. Earth-X. Get it where it is. <laughs> um, all right. So based on your superhero-heavy recommendation... I'm I'm going to give 1.5 recommendations myself. My 0.5 is going to be for The Boys. Uh, The the current uh, series on Amazon Prime, which was originally produced as uh, a series of comics books by by Garth Ennis and some other people. And uh, it's basically, if if, if you like comics and hate superheroes, it's about a a gang of 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 rough of rough fellas and a lady who are trying to take down big famous superheroes and i was hesitant to recommend it because it's not that i don't like it but it's it's so popular and mainstream right now that i think it's easy to find and i think i 
I, we usually recommend stuff that maybe people like aren't necessarily like. Well, and also, in the moment. Nick, you're famously uncomfortable liking anything that is actually cool or mainstream because you're secretly a hipster. Also true. And so, what I will say is that I do enjoy it. Some people will reduce it to like, oh, it's just a dumb old what if Superman was evil idea, and I don't think that's correct at all. Uh, it's it's basically what what would happen if we if we had superheroes and they were real people, not that they had big plans, not that they were uh, moral uh, icons to be looked up to as gods, but like, what if they were selfish? And and did stupid things, you know. That's that's mostly what it is. And so I'm just gonna leave the boys at that because if you want to watch it, hey, it's on Amazon. It's easy enough to get. But to do something more in line with my own tastes generally, also not at all obscure or anything, but something that I'm coming around to enjoying a lot is I, I talked a couple times about playing Xenoblade Chronicles. In oh baby, I'm getting into the rhythm now of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. <laughs> and I don't have a whole lot to say about it either, other than that I think uh, a few episodes back when, when Chloe was on as our guest, we, we talked a good bit about Final Fantasy X and about how it's the last Final Fantasy game I enjoyed. And it's hard for me to accept that they came out basically 20 years ago. And I've been waiting for 20 years for Square, or now Square Enix, to make another Final Fantasy game that kind of like meets what I'm looking for. That's like fun and lighthearted and doesn't take itself super seriously. And I think I'm starting to come around and accept that that's what these Xenoblade Chronicles games are for me. And so in this in this second one, it's... It's similar to Final Fantasy series in that it's not a direct sequel. It's just kind of set in the same general universe. Has like similar tropes and some carryovers between the games, you know. But what it's what it's about is you play. Uh, you're not going to believe this. This is the craziest thing for a game that is essentially an anime. You're you're a scrappy idealistic teen, and. Um, Specifically, you are a salvager in a world that uh, the continents are living titans. And people, uh, everyday regular old creatures, live on the, the backs of these titans. And the titans themselves are, are floating around through a, a, an endless sea of clouds. And as a salvager, uh, which is your occupation, you, you plumb the depths of the cloud sea looking for treasures of this old long forgotten world that you can sell to to get by and send home to your family and stuff and you are just living your life whatever you take a job that's suspiciously high paying with a crew of people who very obviously look evil like never first of all i don't know if there's like a difference between japanese language naming convention trope kind of things and I guess it wouldn't technically be a cognate, but anyway, if a guy's named Malos, he's no good, right? Like, hi, I'm yeah. Malos. I'm like, no, you bad. Stay away. Obvious. Like, what could you be? Oh, and Jin. Okay, that name doesn't indicate danger. You know it does. That you won't speak to me and you wear a mask. And you're too handsome. Um, all You know, so you, you end up with some <laughs> evil guys on on a mission and you awake this ancient power that, of course, 
is an, an age-appropriate love interest with hot pants and massive boobies and a heart of gold, and you go on a goddamned adventure. <laughs> and it's um, it's it's very silly. It's but it's it's cute and it's fun and it's like what I want. Like the, the problems I have are with the gameplay. Like the world itself is adorable and the environments are a lot of fun to explore. The the characters, frankly, they're not particularly anything new or dynamic, but they're charming. And the problem I have is, for instance, I'm about 20 hours in right now. And based on the last game, that means I am in act one of like 35. <laughs> the last game is like just a regular playthrough, I think, took like at least 65 hours or something. And so I know I'm not nearly anywhere near the end, but 20 hours in and they're still introducing new gameplay mechanics. And they're also explained pretty poorly. Like, so your your characters are drivers is their, what they do in battle. And they are drivers as opposed to being blades. Blades are basically Pokemons. And a lot of these are humanoid, um, but they're also creature Pokemons. And you summon them from core crystals, and all of this, the the way these work is opaque. Like, there are these different items I can use to enhance my little Pokemans, but they seem to be pretty rare, and so I'm scared of using them. And there's literally zero explanation about how they influence the outcome of summoning a Pokemon or what they do. I also... I. They, I got this item that let me switch one of my Pokemans from one character to another. Okay, you got to stop doing that if you're going to keep talking about it this long. That was your last one. No, I'm going to do it as long as I want. And um, apparently that was like an incredibly... The, the item that let me switch one from one Pokemon from one character to another is an incredibly rare item that apparently you only really get later in the end game. And is consumable, and so I'm like, oh, I guess that's gone forever, but I'm not going to start my 20-hour game over because the game didn't explain to me how incredibly valuable this commodity is. And so shit like that still sucks. But it does improve on the first game in a lot of ways. Like, the the worlds are more compact, but no less fun to explore. Uh, the side quests are no longer dog shit. And so I think I do, for a lot of reasons, I... I the, the the combat system is perplexing. I'm doing rad combos all the time, and I usually have no idea how I'm doing them. And so I wish I don't. It's not that I dislike the complicated mechanics. In fact, I I love that shit. I just wish it were better explained. And so that's that's my recommendation. A a, a, a very fun, if not slightly frustrating game, Xenoblade Chronicles Two. And I think there's probably not going to be another one because I think this one wasn't as well received or sold as many copies or whatever as the first one, which is a shame because, uh, I don't know, this to me is, it's it's scratching all the itches that Final Fantasy has left untouched for, for decades. So, yay, nerdy shit. All right. I kind of wondered, I felt like you were sort of railroading us through our our discussion of the episode but now that i understand you just wanted you were just so excited to spend 15 minutes you know reviewing xenobrave chronicles 2 it all makes sense so yeah i mean that's I don't pretty think good I, I don't think i talked about it as long as you did about uh your thing 
And well, it's you a good didn't thing have a whole lot to bring up about the episode, but let's yeah. let's at the last minute take some shots at Nick for for trying to make this thing clean and tight. Yeah, no, I think it works. We started by talking about anime titties, and we ended talking about anime titties. As we it are... should be, as all conversations <laughs> should be. It's one of those things where, like, I'm ashamed about the number of the, how, how I. Even in my late 30s, I still love and play video games regularly, and I'm like, that's a childhood thing I probably should have let go, and I'm not going to. Anime titties, no shame, all right? That's, that's just me, all right? Earlier I said I'm, I'm proud of myself or some bullshit like that, and obviously not true, but like, you know what? I don't give a shit about anime titties. They're, love them. Love anime. Love, I love stupid, horny things, and I'm never going to stop.